The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this end of year episode of the Heat Check, it's our special New Year's resolution episode. And I am here to give my resolutions for a whole bunch of players, teams, from the Atlanta Hawks and the Brooklyn Nets to Rudy Gobert and Grayson Allen. Oh yeah, we gotta talk about this too. The greatest regular season NBA performance of all time, maybe, from Luka Doncic? Probably the second best. But I'll get into that. Also, almost 2023, Nick. So do me a favor and drop that generic ass beat. So 2022 is about to be history. And let's just say it's been a year to forget for a lot of people. Robert Sarver, for one. Kyrie Irving, another. list is probably pretty long for the people who would rather forget that 22 existed. But we're not here for all that. We're here to do something different. And that is to spread positivity and to spread joy. Because that is what is my resolution, personally, for 2023. And with the new year comes a whole bunch of new opportunities. New opportunities to be better. New opportunities to be nicer. And that is why we'll call this episode and end this episode with our annual NBA New Year's resolutions where we peer into the crystal ball and divvy out resolutions for players and teams that could, let's face it, use a little positivity right now. But before we get into that, let's go over some of the recent news that's been popping around the league. We have to do it. We have to talk about this. Dallas with Luka Doncic. Oh, my God. I, Folks, I was at dinner. Did you think... Like, it would have made any sense to cancel dinner plans to watch the Dallas Mavericks take on the New York Knicks. Did anybody think that they needed to stop everything in their life for that game? No, I didn't. So I didn't get to see Luca's game live. I, it's a confession. I didn't see it live. I had to watch it back after the fact. I had to see it on Twitter trending. My phone's blowing up. And you know what? I'm sad. I'm sad about it. I'm going to live to regret it. I'm going to know. It's one of those where were you moments. I'm going to know, oh, yeah, I was at AOC in Los Angeles, California, eating dinner with a friend when Luka dropped 60-plus, 21-10. and 10. There's 
you got thoughts, you're trying to do some research, and you're making that all happen, and then you're doing it on the fly, and all of a sudden you look up, and someone else has already had the same take. There's probably nothing worse than that, truthfully. To be a a take artist, a flamethrower, an opinionist, you look up, you research, you prep, you write, you're about to talk, and then all of a sudden, Nick fucking Wright first things first comes through and drops one right down on your head. So I'm not a Nick Wright hater. I actually like Nick Wright a lot. But damn, I did not see Nick Wright coming in and pickpocketing me like his name is Luka Doncic on Luka's take. So what he said was exactly what I wanted to say. 60, 21, and 10 was a top five regular season performance in the entire history of the NBA. Not just in the last generation. Since the birth of the NBA, Luca's performance on that night when I was at a random restaurant against the New York Knicks was a, one of the greatest top five performances ever. But I'm going to give you a couple reasons why Luca's game yesterday is the best game any of us have ever seen. First of all, the context of it. His team's down nine with 35 seconds left. In the last 20 years... 13,885 teams have been down nine or more with 35 or less seconds left. You know how many of them won? Well, one now. It was zero. Now it's one. Second reason. He's the only guy in league history that could have done that, that could put up that stat line. It's not just that he's the only guy that has done a 60-20-10. He's the only guy that could. So I had done all the research, right? Yes, Nick got that. Zero for 13,844 stat line from Sam Quinn, too. And now I have to give Nick his props and say, yup. Luca, Luca's performance was one of the best regular season games in nearly 20 years. But before we get deeper into this, Wilt Chamberlain holds six out of the ten highest scoring games in history and 15 of the top 25. And he did this mostly before TV. So he is, we have to put Wilt Chamberlain in a category of himself. Someday I'll probably drop a video about this on what everyone gets wrong about his 100-point game, but not today, folks. I got too much time. I got, a, I got a reservation in about 45 minutes. So today is about Luca. To understand why he did what he did was insane. What are the greatest regular season game performances in NBA history? Well, number one, Denver's David Thompson put up 73-7-2 on the Pistons on April 19th or on April 9th, 1978, excuse me, on the day of the NBA season. Thompson was once called by Bill Walton, the perfect basketball player. He was locked in a battle at that point for the scoring title with George Gervin. So he needed a huge game. And he went out and scored 32 points in the first quarter, 13 of 14 shooting, 6 for 6 from the line. The only problem was that it was the final game ever in Detroit's Kobo Arena, and they wanted him to go out a winner, so they legit threw the kitchen sink at him and held him to only 20 in the second half. The pit, this guy could have had 100 points. The Pistons even managed to pull out of a win, and David Thompson fell just short of the scoring title despite shooting 74% from the floor. Why? Because George Gervin went off for 63 on the same day. Insane. Unreal. Just really something for the masses there. On March 28, 1990, Michael Jordan, MJ, Airness, dropped 69, nice, 18 and 6 on the Cavaliers. The game's probably the closest one to Lucas' performance because MJ put up 18 rebounds to go with four steals and a block. That's ridiculous. More incredible, he went 23 for 27 from the field, and in MJ style, the Bulls ended up 
really outlasting a good Cavs team is 117-113. Probably the greatest regular season performance of all time. That's what people say, at least. I was like, four. So, do I, did I, do I remember it off the top? No, I don't. David Robinson, 71-14-5 on the last day of the 1994 season. He won the scoring title over Shaq in that game. He faced double and triple teams all night. And he still managed to shoot 63% from the field. He scored the first 18 Spurs points of the game. And, uh, oh yeah, he ended up winning the scoring title with 29.6 points per game because Shaq only had 32 in that game. So that was a sick performance. Ridiculous. 71 points. Like, 71 points? The next day, very important day, probably one of my favorite. I think this is my personal favorite. January 22nd. 2006. Kobe drops 81. Ugh. Let me say it again. Kobe drops 81, 6 and 2 in 42 minutes of action. What an absurd stat line. He was 28 for 46 from the field. Perfect Kobe, non efficient type performance, including going 7 for 13 from 3. The craziest thing about this game, though? The Lakers were trailing by 18 in the third quarter. And from that point on, Kobe put up 51 points. And the Lakers absolutely curb stomped the Raptors, beating them by almost 20. He had 55 points in the second half. That is Kobe. You think you have me, and you do not have me. Bonkers. So Lucas... Crazy stat line, 21 freaking rebounds. I don't know what that is about. And he probably could have 20 assists as well. His, as we know, he doesn't have a lot of help out there. Spencer did when he hits, uh, hit a couple of huge shots down the stretch. But the fact that Luca put up this not number, 60, 21, and 10, and they came back. It wasn't just the stat line. It's that they came back and won when they were down nine points with, what, a minute left to go? 30 seconds left to go? 35 seconds left. Ended up sending the game to overtime. And it's not just that he scored 60. He had 50 last week. But he scored 60 and had 10 assists. And he probably could have had 21 assists as well. Like, all the Mavs couldn't hit an open shot to save their life. He was so good in every aspect of the game. He had two steals. He had one block. It was just disgusting. And, and then the best part about Luca, because I love him, and he's just so fat and just such a regular guy. You look at him, and he's just the most unassuming, insane basketball player. Like, all those other players, you look at them, all those other top five performances in the NBA, you look at those guys, and you go, yeah, that's an athlete. Yeah, that guy could put, that good guy could put 71 on my head. Not Luca. Look, you look at Luca and you say, uh, is this guy my uh, task rabbit? Is he about to help me move? That's Luca. Like, Luca looks like he does need a recovery beer because that's what he said. I need a recovery beer. And fortunately for all of us, Lasco Brewery immediately jumped on the Luca train, started launching their recovery beer edition in an IG post. They said, For every tired Luca who needs a beer for regeneration, we have brewed recovery beer. How do they do that so fast? I also need a recovery beer from watching the highlights. I can't imagine what Luca felt in that game. So those are my top five regular season games of all time. Who am I missing? I feel like I'm missing someone, but let me know who. You ready? Showtime. 
On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's almost a new year, so I'm going to turn over a new leaf. It's, I've got some, some resolutions for a number of players and teams that I need to get out. So let's start in New Orleans, where the Pelicans, they, they had a brief downturn. Brandon Ingram's been out. We know that. And I don't know when he's coming back, but that's an issue. But they're back to their winning ways. Zion, the other night, had 43. And people are calling him exactly what he is, which is a football player that plays basketball on a very talented team. But I have a New Year's resolution concerning Zion. And I'm not, I'm, you guys got to help me stay, stay steadfast to this because I don't know it's going to be easy. You know, New Year's resolutions are never really going to be easy. They, they take work. They take dedication. And this one's going to take a lot of dedication and an accountability partner. And that is, that is I am not going to talk about Zion's weight anymore. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make any more Zion fat jokes. I'm not gonna say, "Oh, you know, Zion, where's your, where's your beignet? Oh, Zion, Zion's been eating a little extra Creole." I'm not gonna be like, "Ooh, Zion, Zion had some steak last night. That's why he was a little." Slow. I'm not gonna do any of that. Do I regret saying he was out of shape last year? No, I do not. I am not going to regret that. I am not going to apologize for that. Do I regret saying that? Before anyone else that he was going to miss the entire season last year? No. No, I do not regret that. We were right on both accounts, but that doesn't mean it's nice. So we're going to try to be nice to Zion because, listen, do I regret making light of his weight issues when he was going through trials and tribulations with his health? Well, I kind of do, actually. Especially when he said that those kind of comments, and I, I never made them to be mean, but he said that they really hurt him. Not my jokes in particular. I'm sure he didn't even listen to them. But, you know, the rhetoric of the media just saying that he's fat. And he said, hey, that's, he goes, hey, that's mean. And I was like, damn, damn, I should probably stop talking about Zion. Do I think he's going to still have conditioning issues? Probably. Like, he's, he's a big boy. He's like a big boy. He's like Shaq. Shaq has had his own trials and tribulations. But I'm not going to say anything about Zion being out of shape because he eats too much. I'm not going to say anything about Zion getting injured or twisting his knee because he's eating too much Creole or gumbo. I'm not going to anymore. And if he stays on the court and he can't stay on the court, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So down in Orlando, let's move on. I've also been pretty harsh on the Magic franchise. 
mostly because people don't really care about them and they have no fans and they're a losing franchise and their ownership group isn't great and they really don't draft the right players and their PR team is maybe the worst I've ever seen in all of sports and that's really saying something. Uh, but my newly year's resolution for them is to just not say anything mean about them or doubt anything about Paolo Bancaro. I'm not doubting anything about him again. The guy is special. He's going to win Rookie of the Year. I, be, I saw him play live in college. I've seen him play live in the pros. I've seen him play live in the summer league. And I'm damn near ready to say that Paolo could take the reins from LeBron James. For the first time, I'm ready to say, if it's anyone, it will be him. He patterns his game after LeBron. That's what he said. The person that I pattern my game off the most is LeBron James. And you can see it in his passing. You can see it in terms of how ball dominant he can be, how he can do many things, and he's very dynamic on the basketball court. But good Lord, Paolo is balling out. Just absolutely insane. Only one player in NBA history has had more 20-point games before Christmas. Their rookie year. That's... And his likeness is on half of the shoes in the league. Michael Jordan and Paolo. Paolo. That's it. It's Michael Jordan and Paolo. Paolo probably is going to make the All-Star game. He might make All-NBA 13. He probably won't. But he is he is just a treasure. And he's turned a team that didn't make any damn sense. A team with misfit spacing. A team with too many players of the same position. And he's helped unlock Bull Bull. He's unleashed Franz Wagner. I mean, I've spent so much time talking about the Magic because of Paolo. He has transformed this franchise like LeBron James transformed the Cavaliers. Bancaro is actually better than advertised. He should have probably gone first when he was 17. Like Paolo Bancaro could have gone first in 20, in 2017, and I think it would have been the right call. Like this is like when he was when he was 15 years old eating Captain Crunch for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, he probably could have been a pro then. So I'm not questioning Paolo in 2023 at all or beyond because there's frankly nothing that he can do to surprise me anymore. Does Paolo need work? Absolutely. Does he need to be a better ball handler? He's six fucking ten, okay? Like, yes. Does he need to learn that part of the game? Does that need to increase in his uh, dynamic ability? Sure. But he's 6'10", 260, and just an absolute wrecking ball. Lots of shit happening in Atlanta. That, is, that leads me to my next resolution. My New Year's resolution for the Hawks is just really to put my thinking cap on and my Inspector Crick hat on and find out what the fuck is actually happening down there. Because if you think the beef between Trey and Coach Nate is bad, if you think that was weird, like a little spooky, things just disintegrated. Because now the Hawks have taken another incredibly bizarre step of firing their fucking GM before Christmas. The same GM that almost won GM of the year like less than 18 months ago. So yeah, I am going to sink my teeth in, make some calls, and find out for y'all what is happening. The Hawks are on the verge of becoming a dumpster fire. To be honest, I didn't see it coming when they went, went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Did you guys? I, I don't know if anyone saw it coming. I don't think I'm alone, but it is toxic down there. Has a GM ever been fired before Christmas? When it didn't involve, like, some sort of allegation. He, he didn't do anything wrong. He's just been inept. Like, I can't overestimate how r rare and unusual move this is. Teams, especially ones just 18 months from an Eastern Conference Finals team, does not do that. 
Schlenk himself, who's still on staff but not the GM, which is also weird as well. Like, they just are like, well, we have to pay you no matter what, so fucking get our coffee, bitch. That's basically what they're doing to Travis Schlenk right now. They're like, we can't, if we fire you, we have to pay you and you're unemployed, so we're just going to keep you on staff. We're going to make you do some bad shit. Put the Yellowstone brand on you so you can never fucking leave and tell our secrets. Anyway, this is what Travis Schlenk said himself in his exit presser. He said, throughout the season, Hawks owner Tony and I had multiple conversations about how I have been feeling. In the new year, Tommy has suggested I take a step back and prioritize my family. Whoa. So he's officially an advisor, but... Listen, yeah, one of the hottest GMs in the league, a guy who signed an, a lucrative extension, is now essentially out of a job. And the re reason is the dysfunction in the Atlanta Hawks organization. All of the things that they did wrong. All of the contracts that they extended. Extending John Collins. Going out and giving more money to Clint Capella. Making that DeJounte Murray trade. The lists over and over and over of what he has done has been very suspect. And, of course, number one, on that list is Trey Young. And whatever is going on with Trey Young and the people that Travis Schlank hired to interact with Trey Young is not good. It either is Trey Young or it's everyone that Travis Schlank hired. And you know what? Now we're going to find out who it really was. His short career, he's already killed one coach. He's threatened to kill another. He's buried a GM that he, we thought might be executive of the year. And now the franchise might be shook as well. So maybe with a new GM, Trey Young will find someone that makes him happy. So yeah, my resolution is to look into the Atlanta Hawks, keep my eye open, keep both eyes open, and find out what's happening with this dumpster fire and report back. I really, really seriously pondered whether my next New Year's resolution should be to not talk about the Lakers again until they break 500. But then that would mean no Laker talk on the heat check, wouldn't it? So I realized that would maybe make no sense for us, and then it would maybe mean no Laker talk until they actually have their first-round pick of their own and maybe become a team that can actually compete. And that's probably 2029. So I'm not going to make a commitment to, do, to not talk about the Lakers until you know I'm damn near 40 years old. I can't do that. I'm more than 40 years old. Instead, my New Year's resolution is just simply to enjoy the Lake Show. Because there's nothing more pornographic than to know that the Lakers have let go of the rope. Truthfully. Like, to know that they have given up and that new reports, Rob Plinka coming out and saying, hey, you know, we might just stand pat. The new reports are the Lakers are considering doing absolutely nothing again at the trade deadline. That is two years in a row if you're keeping a track. That is just, that is just enough for me to subside on for decades. According to the LA Times, Dan Wolke, the Lakers are seriously considering to just say fuck it and ride out the season with the status quo. That means no trades, no major deals, no desperate plays at the deadline for a player who's going to further burden this team and no trading of their own two first-rounders left in this decade. I know your first question is the same as mine. How do you think Braun's going to feel about this? Well, uh, not great, as it turns out. This is what Braun said in a presser the other day. I'm a winner. I want to win. And I want to win and give myself a chance to win and still compete for chips. That has always been my passion. That has always been my goal since I entered the league as an 18-year-old out of Akron, Ohio. I know the steps it takes to get there. Do you, though, Braun? Do you? But once you get there and know how to get there, playing basketball at this level, just to be playing basketball is not in my DNA. Pause. If you don't want to play basketball anymore, just to play basketball anymore, then you have two options. One, leave the L.A. Lakers 
to retire because it's not happening anymore there. So then he says this, it's not my DNA, so we'll see what happens and see how fresh my mind stays over the next couple of years. That seems like a guy who is trying to push on the leverage button. Yeah, I could possibly just take my ball and go home. I could just Andrew Luck this bitch because he doesn't want to lose. That's why he deleted a tweet from a year ago recently about how he'll never miss the playoffs again in his career. He knows that was bullshit. Bullshit. He knows what the future in L.A. looks like. And, folks, it's not great. It's not being 500. It's not making the playing team. And it's certainly not making the fucking playoffs and contending for a championship. So I'm not going to go out of my way to stoke the fire. But I'm not going to poke the Laker bear any more than I have to. But I'm just going to get my marshmallows and my Hershey bars extra dark and get ready to make s'mores over the dumpster fire that is the L.A. Lakers for a long, long, long time. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Since I've spent so much of the last three years talking about the Brooklyn Nets, it only seems fitting that my New Year's resolution be about Ben Simmons and being nicer to him. Really, it's sort of simple. Uh, The things that Ben Simmons did that drove me insane are mostly in the past. He's a product of other people trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. And you know what? That's not what the Nets are doing right now. They're using Ben Simmons like the type of tool he is. Since he got back onto the court, Ben Simmons has been, let's be honest, like very good. Very good. Like great. Kind of great. And he's a huge reason that the Nets are the hottest team in the NBA right now besides Jacques Vaughn. How good has Ben Simmons been of late? He has the Nets' best net rating on the team. Plus 21.7. He has the best defensive rating on the team. 106.6. And get this, folks. Ben Simmons. Ben fucking Simmons. This is insane. I I had to check and recheck. Has the highest offensive team, highest offensive rating of any starter on the Nets. 127.9. Highest total rating, highest defensive rating, highest offensive rating. Do you remember that this team has Kyrie Irving and Kevin fucking Durant? The question is, how, Sway? How? Leave it to Kyrie to explain it. He said, I think he could probably answer that better, but it's me as a teammate. Just seeing him smile, have fun, be competitive. That's him being himself. So anytime he could just be himself and trust that we have his back, I feel like that's the best version of himself. And you know what? Thank 
thanks, thanks, Ben. I'm going to make this resolution. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for Ben. And when Ben is playing like this, and more importantly is healthy, because that's important as well, the Nets team could be very dangerous. They could be very, very hard to beat moving forward. And I, I've been okey-doked by them before, but I think this is a real team. I think this is a team that could actually compete for a chip. I think everybody in the East is very vulnerable, even the Boston Celtics. We saw them lose the Orlando Magic twice. And you know what? My New Year's resolution, my biggest one, really, is to be happy for Ben Simmons and to be nice to Ben Simmons and to find reasons to praise Ben Simmons because why? This is a man who's broken and he needs every piece of help that he can get. And this is a version of Ben we can get behind. My final New Year's resolution is aimed at two players, Rudy Gobert and Grayson Allen. Two least liked players in the NBA, most likely. My resolution, you're going to say, Trista, are you going to be nice to them? Are you going to be, is your resolution to just say nice things about them, find things that they do well? Fuck no. It's to point out every time these fuckers do something stupid because I feel they get the benefit of the doubt way more than they do, even though no one likes them. This year, I resolved to absolutely positively not change my mind on Rudy Gobert. Everyone tries to tell me he's a defensive player of the year. Everyone tries to tell me he's actually a nice guy. He just made a mistake during COVID times. Everyone tries to tell me, you know what, he's just not being used well. Everyone tries to tell me that Donovan Mitchell was a problem, but you know what? No. No, 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 no. It is Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert fucking sucks. Everything about him sucks. His face sucks. His hair sucks. His body makeup sucks. His defensive... Although he plays okay perimeter defense, he's just not that guy. He is not worth the money. He is not worth the trade value. He is just not really worth the breath that's coming out of my lungs right now. But you know what? I'm doing it for y'all. Fuck Rudy Gobert. Part of that is the reason that he tries to spend so much time trying to change our mind that he's not a jerk. He is. There's a full-blown documentary about him not being a jerk. And you know what? When you do that, that shows you are said jerk. Recently, Donovan Mitchell, as we know, gave his views on Rudy. And let's just say what this. Like, he's doing everything he can to keep the peace, but he doesn't like Don- Rudy Gobert either. No one does. One of the reasons I like Donovan Mitchell, very, 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 very nice, but very honest guy. And then, of course, after he said, like, yeah, it was all about COVID, that's when I really started to not like him, Gobert's PR team went into crisis mode again, got him a feature article on the New York Times. What? Got, did Donovan Mitchell get a feature article on the New York Times? No. CAA. CAA is Donovan Mitchell's agency. He couldn't get a feature article in the in the New York Times, even though he's having an MVP caliber year. But Rudy Gobert toiling away in Minnesota with one of the worst trades in NBA history, just doing absolutely God nothing, gets a feature article in the New York fucking Times. I digress. It was the fluffiest of fluff pieces. Here's what Rudy says. A lot of people celebrate my failures. A lot of people celebrate... My failures. It's kind of a mark of respect for me just to have people that wait until I do something wrong or until my team start losing. Then they become really, really loud. And when my two teams do well, it's quiet again. Pause. Hold up. Stop the press. Right now, people shit on you all the time. Even when you win, they're shitting on you. No one likes you when you're winning because you can't win when the lights are bright, Rudy. That's why we don't like you. Continue. He says he embraces that because it's part of the external noise that comes with all the success that we've had in Utah over the last few years in his career. Once I start to have success, when I started winning Defensive Player of the Year, All-NBA, being an All-Star, brag, brag, brag. When my team, when we started winning like 50 games and stuff, the people on social media are always the loudest. Pause. Pause again. 
You're saying all hate stems for your success and not because, I don't know, you shut the league down, your stance on COVID, the fact that you liked of Elon Musk tweet about your pronouns being prosecute Fauci, etc., etc., etc. Back to the point. We finally get to the entire point of the fluff piece, which was to address how Donovan Mitchell told the truth about Rudy, and Rudy says this, I think it was a tough situation for me in Utah, just like it was a tough situation for him. Things happen, and sometimes people can do things to you that can hurt you. A lot of times it's out of fear, you know? So you just have to grow through that and see past that. Rudy was then asked, Yeah, you mentioned uh, things people do things that will hurt you. Do you mean Donovan Mitchell? And he goes, I mean, generally, that's life. Right, 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 right. Yeah, just psychoanalyzing just the general society when we're talking about Donovan Mitchell shitting on you in the most classy way. Okay, victim Rudy. Rudy's the victim. Everyone hates Rudy for no reason. We're just all being gaslit that Rudy's just this awesome guy and that everyone doesn't like him for no fucking reason. Okay, okay. So my, my resolution is to never take the boot off of his neck because you know what? He's going to do everything that he can to weasel out of all the bad things that he does and try to spin it into something good for Rudy. Which brings me to Grayson Allen. Maybe the other person in the league that I like less than Rudy Gobert, he's probably in the running for top two. Least liked player in the NBA. By fans, by players, all of it. So, in a game this week against the Bulls, Grayson Allen did Grayson Allen things when he always does it against the Bulls. He's a fucking relentless menace against the Bulls. Because remember, he almost hurt Alex Crusoe last year. And Alex Crusoe had to make a whole thing out of it. And then he didn't shake Alex Crusoe's hand. And then he didn't apologize. You guys remember this. But he's doing something against, against the Bulls. So Grayson Allen did Grayson Allen things. And cheap-shotted DeMar DeRozan in the, in the head. Are you shocked? I am just absolutely shocked. I am beside myself. You could just flip me over with a feather right now. This is what he said. This is what DeRozan said. I felt the hit. I felt like it went across the middle. I felt like I went across the middle in a football game and tried to catch a slot route. So he cheap shots him in the back of the head straight from Grayson's playbook. And DeRozan, of course, he was pissed. So after the game, he said, yeah, it's his track record. If it was Boban, I probably wouldn't have done nothing. Can't tell you how much I love DeMar DeRozan simultaneously just slamming Grayson Allen and praising Boban. I love Boban. We all do. He's just, like, an absolute treasure. Zach Levine, by the way, Tim McMahon is now attaching to a possible Mavericks trade, so you file that away in your tickler file. Well, Zach attacked the entire uh, – he watched the entire charade. He said this. Uh, yeah, we know Grayson Allen's track record. Pat got the foul, but DeMar got elbowed in the back of the head. DeMar responded the right way. The next 20 minutes, you saw what happened. Yep, Bulls came back. They won the game, in part because – they were pissed about Grayson Allen. Grayson out there costing Bucks wins. They very much need right now because the Bucks don't look very good, right? What did Grayson have to say? Probably nothing. If you include the, if your answer included the word bullshit, yeah, just not taking any accountability because that's Grayson Allen. Yep, here it is. You go, Grayson. Tell us what you said. It was exactly what the video showed. I went to set a screen, got bumped into Jamar, and when you get bumped into somebody, you put your arm out to stop yourself. I didn't try to run him over. I mean, he was upset. He got blindsided by a screen. Dude, you're using the word blindside to describe a basketball play. You are at fault when you get when you hit someone in their blind spot. That is a 100% cheap shot by you. And then he says this. They ask him, hey, did you apologize tomorrow? Like, like you were supposed to do to Alex Crusoe last year? And he was like, well, I, mean, I was trying to. 
he's talking to somebody else at the time. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I just never spoke with him. I just don't know what happened. I just never spoke with him after the play. So the answer is no. No, you did not speak to him. There's another Grayson Allen making an excuse about why he didn't take accountability, why he didn't apologize, why it isn't his fault. It's just, are they not, is Rudy Gobert and Grayson Allen just not the same person? They, they are the worst. They are the worst. What's that song? Like, this is why you suck. This is why you suck. Like, this is one of those situations where Grayson Allen just needs to go. Trade him. Even the Bulls color commenter was like, yeah, nobody deserves a one-two punch more than Grayson Allen. Just give him a two-piece chicken nugget meal and get this thing out over with. And that's my final resolution for this New Year's edition of Heat Check. My final resolution is to always cover these random kind of stories because I think this is what the NBA needs. I think this is what makes the NBA so fun, so interesting to follow. There's always a great play, of course. There's always Lucas 60. There's always drama, like Travis Slank getting deep six by the Atlanta Hawks. And there's always going to be guys that we all hate. We want to find ways to just affirm our amount that we hate them. It's a love and, love and happiness and hate kind of New Year's resolution episode. And there's always going to be cheap shot artists like Grayson Allen. And when they do Grayson Allen things, I'll be here to call them out. That is all the time that we have for the heat check. We will be back Monday? I don't know if we're going to be back Monday. Maybe Tuesday for an all-new episode. Check out the feed for past episodes and mini-episodes, which drop almost every single day. Do not forget to follow us in 2023. Trade deadline is just around the corner, folks. And the All-Star game, which I need to get my credentials for. Do not forget to download, subscribe. Please tell your friends. And follow us on social at, at this heat check and at Trista Crick on TikTok. Thank you, guys, and I will see you back in studio next Monday. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.